Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Nursing University All Access Podcast. I'm Angela Bailey, Chief Advancement Officer and your host for this adventure. I'd like to welcome you all to the On-Call Lounge here on Frontier Nursing University's campus in beautiful Versailles, Kentucky. Within this inaugural season, we give you an all-access pass to delve deeper into Frontier Nursing University and the individuals who are making a daily difference in advanced practice nursing, midwifery, education, and healthcare across the country. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Jess Callahan to the lounge. Hey, Jess, how you doing? Good, Angie. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Listen, do you want to kind of tell people who you are and what you do here at Frontier? Sure. So, uh, so I'm Jess Callahan. I am the chair for the Psychiatric Mental Health uh, Nurse Practitioner Department at Frontier Nursing University. We have the newest uh, program uh, at, at Frontier, and we have uh, grown significantly since we had our uh, our first students um, in in 2018. So we're really excited about the growth that we have in our program and and the direction that it's headed. It is very exciting. But before we get into that, I have to ask you a question. How's your golf game? It's stable <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, I can't quite seem to move the needle. Uh, um, I, right now, I'm taking care of my kids and letting them uh, let, letting them have some lessons. And uh, one of my sons is uh, is good enough to to beat me consistently now. So. Right. <laughs> well, you will uh, be tickled to know, I'm sure, that I took up golf a couple of years ago before the pandemic started. And do you know what my favorite part of the game is? What's that? The outfi- outfits and riding around in the golf carts. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 have, we have our own golf cart, too. And uh, uh, last year, uh, I got it uh, right during the pandemic because our, our uh, course, our home course, wouldn't um, allow us to use the carts that they had. Um, so you either had an opportunity to walk or you could ride your own cart. Well, uh, after 20 years of military service and, and, uh, three combat deployments to Iraq, uh, this body is, uh, is a little beat up needless to say. And so walking 18 holes is not exactly, uh, what I want to do, especially in the Texas heat. So we got, so, so we picked up, uh, a used golf cart so we could uh so we could get out and and, and have some fun and play yeah it is really a fun game you know and i'm pleased at this point in my golf career that i'm making contact with the ball and that i can get out of the sand pit you know Uh, but yeah it's a fun game i'm definitely enjoying it now you mentioned you were in texas so how did a ex-military Texas guy end up at Frontier Nursing University? Well, uh, interesting story. So um, I had I had learned about Frontier uh, when I was the uh, chair of the Psych Mental Health Nurse Practitioner Program at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences in Bethesda, Maryland. That was my last duty assignment. And um, we trained about 98% of all the psych mental health nurse practitioners for the Department of Defense. And I had a a colleague who happened to be a nurse midwife um, who uh, was coming to Frontier and and she was working on her DNP and eventually earned her DNP. And so that, that's when I first heard about Frontier. And, um, and so I started to do some of my own research and uh, found, um, you know, what a really cool place and, and the opportunity um, just so happened to, to come about. Yeah, 
I guess it was about two years after I retired. And so um, uh, when I when the opportunity came up, I jumped on it and uh, was selected for the position and, and have really loved it ever since. Oh, and we are so glad that you're here. This is a great program. So I know that it's still relatively new and it's growing very rapidly. Can you talk to us about, you know, why did FNU start this program? Well, I, th- I think the, the main reason that FNU started this program is, uh, one, uh, with the, the mission of, of Frontier in terms of serving you know, rural and, and, and underserved communities. Um, and the psych mental health uh, profession in terms of um, the, the prescribing aspect of it, the, the role that the psych NP has um, in, in, in the mental health system is incredibly important. Unfortunately, there's a significant nationwide shortage of uh, psychiatric mental health nurse practitioners and really other other mental health nurse practitioners. And so um, Frontier was was uh, committed to meeting that need. And um, and and, you know, again, it fit really well with the mission of the university in terms of, uh, you know, kind of a I mean, psych mental health. Um, issues have been stigmatized in this country for a long time. Uh, um, I think that's certainly getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and I think one can argue that, that, that folks that have mental health conditions were, you know, sometimes uh, marginalized. And, and again, you know, sim- similar to, um, you know, some of the rural areas that, that we work with at Frontier as far as, you know, resources and, and not always having those resources. Sure. So I think, so I think that's, that, that's the, primary reason why the university started that uh, started our program yeah you know when I look back on the origins of frontier and you know we say that those original nurses on horseback were nurse midwives but they were so much more than that right they mm-hmm. were public health nurses they were midwives they they always went beyond really the scope of what you think of when you think of a nurse midwife today. And you're right. The mission has always been to provide the services and the care needed in these rural and underserved communities. And I remember when you and I were working on a grant not so long ago, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, the amazing statistics that we found regarding the lack of mental health care providers in this country and that people are waiting sometimes months to even get an appointment and having to drive hours away. So, you know, I love that you guys are doing this and that we have this wonderful program and that we are making a difference in the lives of people all over the country through your students and graduates. Yeah, we're, we're really proud of our graduates. And one of the other things, too, that we're very proud of is we're one of the most diverse programs, uh, one of the uh, program tracks in the university. And I heard a story um, last summer that was just heartbreaking uh, on the national news. And, and obviously, you know, all of the things that we have going on in our country right now with um, with the, you know, the, the, the social justice issues, the um, racism and, and, and all of the things that have happened over this past year. Um, I was listening to a news story and there was a, an African-American couple who, um, they were, um, uh, you know, middle-class family, uh, in a, in a very suburban area or urban area. Um, and both of them had experienced some pretty significant depression. Uh, the wife had experienced some postpartum depression, um, and, and the husband had a family history of some depression. Um, and one of the things that they said, uh, in this, in this interview was, there's no providers available that look like them in their areas. Mm-hmm. 
hands. And so from a, you know, certainly from a cultural standpoint, um, you know, that, that was huge. And that just resonated with me. And I was like, what are we doing to help improve and facilitate, you know, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and, 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 and cultural considerations. And so it was at that point that I said, okay, we're going to look at our curriculum and we're going to engage our, our faculty who is also very diverse. And, and we're going to be a program that's going to do more than just say we talk about cultural competence and that we address diversity. Um, we are, we are actually going to um, put that out there and, mm-hmm. and, and have, you know, work in our courses that addresses th- those things specifically, um, and in in hopes of you know improving the ability of our students to be able to work with a with a with a broad uh, population of of folks from different ethnicities, races, and cultures, um, and that's something that that is incredibly important. Um, you know, as as I think you know, as we look at some of the again, we look at health inequities, for right. example, right, right. Um, you know, example. And, um, you know, like I said, I just wanted to be, com- I want us to be committed to um, that that work and, and not be a school that just says it, but actually does it. And I think a lot of us have, have lamented and, and struggled with how can we make an impact? What can we do different? And, 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 and we have an opportunity as a university um, to make a difference through education, because if we educate our providers and and we work on you know changing um, um, you know uh, approaches and we work on changing uh, how how we interact with each other and and I know Frontier is, is doing a ton with diversity, equity, and inclusion, and and I'm, we're very proud of that. But I just think it really does start with education, and that's where we have an opportunity to make an impact. And and so. Um, you know, we don't always have to go protest and we don't always have to do these other things, which right. those things are effective and, and that, and those things can, you know, can, can facilitate change, but where we're facilitating change, I think is through education. And that's one of the things and a lot of things that I've read about, um, um, a lot of these issues that we're dealing with, it really does start with education. And so we have that opportunity to do that. 100%. Yeah. And you know, this has kind of been a, a hot button issue, as you said, for the last year. But you know, one of the things that I find very interesting is that Frontier really started a focus on making sure that we were providing diverse um, practitioners over 10 years ago. And when we first started this work, our diversity population or was like 9%. And today, I just looked at our dashboard, our diverse student body population is over 27%. So, I mean, it's just an amazing place to be to see that we are doing what's necessary. And and I love that your program is also specifically focusing on that. Now, Jess, are you part of the president's task force on diversity, equity, and inclusion? Uh, I, I am in a, in more from a leadership standpoint, but I have, um, multiple faculty members that are active, uh, on, on the different subcommittees. Yeah, I am actually co-chairing one of those subcommittees and I'm so excited that, you know, we are not saying, okay, we've done enough, but what else do we need to do? What else can we do? What else should we do? And my particular subcommittee is actually focused on making sure that we're raising the money and that we have the financial infrastructure to be able to 
continue this work in a real and meaningful way. So, yeah, it's thank you for bringing that up, Jess. You know, I really hadn't thought about the DEI um, avenue when I was thinking about talking to you about this program, but I'm so thrilled that, you know, you have brought that up and that we are maintaining that focus throughout all of our programs. So I know why you love it, but why do you think this program has been so popular with our students? Um, I, I think, you know, just the, the opportunity to, to uh, work in the virtual environments um, or online environment, distance education. I mean, Frontier has been, you know, a pioneer in distance education. And, and it's interesting when COVID, you know, hit and all of our, uh, you know, our family members or kids and even, um, you know, peers that were going to other universities that hadn't had experience with distance education, um, I just remember telling my wife and, and my kids, hey, we're ready for this. I mean, it sucks right. that this pandemic is happening, but we are totally ready for this. And right. I saw, you know, the distance education platforms and things like that that were being implemented at the high school level and also the collegiate and graduate and, and, and collegiate level and certainly, you know, graduate and, and doctoral. And, and hands down, I mean, Frontier has, has been a leader in uh, in, in distance education and virtual education. And so I think that's part of why our program is uh, successful. Um, I think the other part of our program, the reason why we're successful is our mission and the type of students that we uh, attract. We do have students from rural and underserved communities. Um, um, I think our university is affordable uh, compared to other programs. And, and we are, um, you know, Frontier built a reputation of, of being uh, a quality institution uh, with the with the midwifery graduates and and other nurse practitioner graduates and and the psych uh, mental health nurse practitioner graduates have followed along that same vein. I mean, we are doing very well in terms of uh, job placement after graduation. We're doing very well on national board certification pass rates. Uh, to put that into context, um, the average national board certification pass rate is about seventy six percent overall, and our overall board certification pass rate is is ninety four percent. Wow. Um, now that's something to really be proud of, Jess. Yeah, we're, we're very excited about that. And the psych mental health certification exam is not easy. I mean, it's not, not saying that the other board certification exams are not easy, but like I said, 76% pass rate, overall pass rate nationally, you know, talks to the, speaks to the, the you know, the, the difficulty of the, of the exam. The other thing is, is there's three specific domains on the exam and we routinely, the last three, uh, last Two years since I've been here have scored on average 10 percentage points above the national benchmark in each one of those domains. So fantastic. Uh, yeah, so we are um, really doing well on our board certification exams. Um, I think the other thing too that that's important is that um, you know there's other programs out there, and 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 I can't really speak to the quality of the programs because I don't know them very well. I know three programs that I've been a part of, Frontier being one of them. Uh, and this is by far the one of the best one of the best programs in my opinion in the country. Uh, and I know that I'm a little bit biased, but um, <laughs> but we are teaching students to become specialists. And and I look at other programs that may be a shorter program of study length and that kind of stuff. And it, it, it baffles me that um, that 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 they that these schools train psych nurse practitioners, whether they're already nurse practitioners getting a postgraduate certificate or master's degree students. Um, in the amount of time that they are, um, because I don't understand how you can train somebody to be uh, a specialist, which this is a specialty 
um, uh, field of advanced practice nursing that fits into the mental health system. And the, and the expectation is, is that, that we are ready for independent practice. And so I think that philosophy along with, you know, I think the, um, the, the American Nurses Credentialing Center talks about entry-level practice, and, and I, I don't believe in entry-level practice. Mm-hmm. We are students for practice because there's such a need, um, and many of our students are going to be on their own, and, and we need them to be competent um, and uh, safe nurse practice, like mental health nurse practitioners, and that's what our is on this program, and our faculty um, um, have bought into that in the remarkable work that they have done. Um, our students have bought into that. Um, when you look at our, our attrition rate, I think it's less than 6%. Wow. Um, um, and so we are, we are doing some really, you know, cool things and our students are being successful. Um, and I also think that our approach at Frontier, I mean, we, we talked with this, the students in our, in our Frontier Bound, which is um, our, our new students um, kind of uh, uh, welcome to the community, Frontier community. I don't want to use orientation because it's not really an orientation. <laughs> it's a community building, um, almost week-long event, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And where, where we are, you know, hopefully building connections, we're inspiring students and we're making them ready for um, making them ready for uh, starting their their academic journey, mm-hmm. uh, and and so I think the other thing is is our approach. I mean, we have uh, such a robust support systems in place to support students, and 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 we don't focus on uh, you know focus on oh we have this many people that that don't graduate. We focus on how can we help students be successful, and I think the way the infrastructure that we have in place uh, allows students to be successful. And uh, that's our focus. And that's the, the faculty's focus. That's the staff's focus. Uh, and certainly that's the administration and leadership's focus. Right. And we talked um, in our last episode about what the heck is an RCF. And, you know, I think that that is something that is pretty unique to Frontier, to have faculty all over the country that are not just supporting the students, but also supporting the preceptors who are training these students in their clinical environments. And, you know, we also talked about um, Stephanie Boyd's team, of course, that uh, helps our students understand what they're going to need for their clinical practicums and helps them search for those placements and supports them. So, yeah, I would have to agree. We have a wonderful support system in addition to our faculty. I'm really proud of the work that our staff does with our students. It's just, um, we kind of wrap them in our arms and, and, you know, help them fly. (laughs) One of the other things too that I think makes this unique is that many other institutions, faculty are academic advisors, and that's not how it is here at Frontier. You know, we have, you know, the, we have the academic advising session and their, their team has been very, very helpful, not only with students, but also um, is kind of thought partners, if you will, for faculty and helping them, you know, navigate maybe some challenging student issues or things that, that come up. And, 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 and the focus is always on how can we best support the student? Absolutely. And, you know, something that I've not talked to our listeners about is our library staff. I mean, you know, a lot of people may think, you're an online institution. Why do you need librarians? But they work with students every single day because, you know, I'm not sure that people understand that the research is changing every single day and that our students are constantly reading best practices, learning about the newest, the latest, the greatest. And one of the things that I hear from our preceptors 
is they love our students because our students are bringing them new ideas, new ways to to solve problems, new strategies. And I think a lot of that has to do with how we train our students to be evidence-based and find the evidence through the support of our library staff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, and they've been instrumental, you know, certainly also supporting, you know, faculty as well as they are looking to, you know, maybe improve or identify new resources that are valuable for students. And then also as faculty, um, you know, have their own scholarship endeavors and supporting faculty with, with scholarship endeavors. And so, um, uh, one thing that I found interesting the other day talking about scholarship endeavors is that I, my alma mater is University of Washington, um, and um, and I was looking at, at some at some uh, grant funding, and uh, Frontier is right there with them in terms of the School of Nursing and grant funding for the different types of programs that we have. And I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it's very interesting when you look at our history with particularly federal grant funding. I don't think that we have been without some kind of federal grant funding for the last 10 years. And that is just a testament of the faculty, the students, the staff, because anybody who's worked in federal grants will tell you that um, you don't get that money for nothing. (laughs) You have to be able to show some outcomes and you have to be able to back up what you're doing in those outcomes with lots and lots of data. And that is one of the things that I love about Frontiers, that everything we do is data driven. Absolutely. And I think, you know, on the scholarship um, aspect of things uh, again it just speaks to the you know to the the quality of the faculty that we have and and the types of um, projects that are really making an impact and the thing that I also like about um, our university is is that that faculty are free to do um, you know different types of scholarship and you know I just think that that is um, awesome it's not it's not mandated it's it's encouraged and I think when you take that approach you um, empower faculty to be more creative and 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 you know learn what's what is you know going on in their communities and identify what's going on in their community communities so that they um, can have you know some um, uh, research interests and and that, that are going to impact their communities. Absolutely, and I'm glad you brought up communities because you know we've talked about the fact that we have regional clinical faculty all over the country, but our faculty are actually all over the country as well. And one of the beautiful things about that is that when we are looking for highly qualified faculty, just like with you, Jess, we are not confined to those who live in our community. The entire nation is our community, and therefore we are able to pick from um, the most talented and brightest all over the country, which is how a, a, a Texas military fella ended up here at uh, Frontier Nursing in Versailles, Kentucky, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, I tell people, you know, what do you do for a living? I work for Frontier Nursing University. Where's that? Kentucky. Oh, you know, and that's the, that's the, the, uh, the response that I get. And it's like, hey, we're, we're one of the oldest nurse practitioner schools in the country. And we've been doing distance education for a long time. It's just, a, it's an opportunity to explain to people uh, who we are and what we're about. The other thing that I think is, is really um, um, incredible about uh, Frontier is, is that all of, almost all of our faculty are in some form of clinical practice. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that at many other places, to include me. 
Um, I, I actually saw patients today and through, through, through telehealth. And so, um, you know, just a, a, a awesome opportunity um, to, to be able to share our experience with our students. And we know what our students are going to be going through when they graduate. And I think that gives us a lot of credibility. So I think that's another reason, too, why uh, Frontier um, is, is where it's at in terms of, you know, quality and people being um, um, excited. Okay, so we could talk about why we love Frontier all day, but I know that one of the big challenges for you in the past year was, of course, the COVID pandemic and what that meant for our students. And can you talk about how we kind of overcame some of that and some of the great things that you guys are doing with telehealth? Yeah, so um, one of the, first of all, we, again, as I said earlier, we were well positioned to uh, move everything to a, an online environment or a virtual environment. Um, and so our faculty did an excellent job of putting together our clinical bounds, uh, which are uh, typically on-site activities um, for um, before students go out to their clinical rotations or faculty supervised. Um, it's essentially a clinical intensive um, to, to uh, prepare students and make sure students are ready to go to their clinical rotations. And we were able to, to pivot fairly quickly and, and transition what had been primarily an on-campus uh, or what, what was an on-campus experience to the virtual environment. And I will tell you, our faculty did such a great job. The very first iteration of uh, student evaluations were phenomenal. And, um, and so we were able to um, you know, leverage our technology. We were able to leverage uh, simulation and standardized patients um, and, and, and clinical scenarios that really um, prepared students for their clinical rotations. So that's one thing that we, we've done. Um, my program, in, uh, specifically, um, we were able to shift to the telehealth environment. And so um, while the other uh, program specialties had uh, maybe a few more students out of clinical because of COVID and you know organizations not allowing students in, and we did not take nearly that, that level of uh, we didn't have that level of impact on our students because um, psychiatry has been doing telehealth for a very long time. It's not a foreign thing to my own telehealth company Uh, (laughs) started it for the army in 2005. And so I've been doing it for, for quite some time. And so we had already integrated those telehealth principles into our uh, curriculum. And so when students had the opportunity to do telehealth with their clinical rotations, it allowed them to stay in clinical rotations and continue their educational journey so that they could graduate and get out and take care of the people that, that they need to take care of. And quite frankly, you know, there's a mental health crisis in America right now, and a lot of it has to do with the pandemic. Right. You know, my kids are grown, but if, if my children had been out of school in the house with me for a year, I think I would be in a mental health crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did your kids have to be homeschooled during the pandemic? Yeah, they were, uh, they've actually been uh, in, in uh, virtual uh, school for the last two years. We were transitioning to Texas from uh, Virginia in the, fall of, uh, in the fall of 2019. And so it was just easier for us to uh, keep them in the virtual environment. Um, and so they, they did two years of school virtually. And it, wow. it uh, you know, I think it, it just like many families across the country, it takes a toll. You know, you're, you're having to, um, you know, help them with homework. And again, I talked about the educational, you know, piece of it. And, and, and there was such a variance in terms of 
um, the quality of education they were getting and there was variance within classes and different teachers and you know those sorts of things so yeah very very challenging time that's for sure we are ready for them to uh, to start school here in about two weeks and go back uh, <laughs> we have two seniors going into their senior year of high school uh, in in a couple weeks wow a senior wow you know I just had uh, my second grandbaby so I can't you know I look back in the, on those and can't believe that I made it through those high school years. <laughs> but now I'm enjoying the grandbaby, so it, it's yeah. it's worth it eventually, Jess. <laughs> yeah. Teenagers are definitely very, very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, what else do you want? You know what? Let's talk about this grant because um, – you know, the federal government is a lot of fun, and and they have these amazing due dates for their grants, and they're usually right around the holidays. And so um, Jess and I and a, a whole team of individuals spent Christmas and New Year's <laughs> writing a enormous grant application for a behavioral health grant through HRSA that not only supports students in rural areas, but also has a focus on on underserved populations and students of color. And so we're really excited about this application and the fact that it was funded. So Jess, do you want to tell us a little bit about what we call lovingly the BH WET grant? Yeah, so um, so it's the Behavioral Health Workforce Education uh, and Training Grant. And the focus of the grant is, um, is to, um, you know, provide education um, on uh, rural and underserved communities and how to, to work in those communities um, with different clinical scenarios and things like that. And then it's also to have clinical partnerships um, with, uh, with organizations in the, in the healthcare provider shortage areas um, where, where there's just not a lot of uh, resources. And so um, we are very excited that we have partnered with um, a organization in Eastern Kentucky, and in fact, just found out this morning from HRSA um, that they uh, are totally okay with us pursuing uh, another clinical partnership in Northwestern Colorado. And Fantastic. So, yeah, we're really excited about that, and um, big shout out to Dr. April Dobroth for my, my, my wonderful clinical director. Um, who, uh, who who facilitated that and is, is working on establishing that partnership. And the grant um, provides stipends to students in their clinical, last portion of their clinical uh, rotations uh, to help them cover costs related to either travel, to not working as much, um, and uh, anything um, that, that the student needs it for besides tuition. Can't, they can't use it for tuition, but, um, but to really support the students in, in clinical. And the, and the purpose of the grant is really to not only provide education, um, but also to partner with these organizations to help improve their uh, behavioral health care delivery systems and also a recruiting pool to get these to get folks um, with the specialty um, in in their community. So so we're really excited about this. We're going to have the opportunity over the grant uh, life, which is four years to to provide ten thousand dollars stipends to about one hundred and ten of our students mm -hmm. um, and um, and also, um, some travel opportunities to go to some conferences to come to our diversity, equity, inclusion uh, conference, diversity impact weekend uh, that Frontier hosts every uh, June, and um, and then also um, our other focus is on building our our uh, simulation capability, mm -hmm. uh, telehealth capability 
uh, within the university. And so some of the grant funds are going to go to some technology um, that's going to allow us to improve students' ability to uh, apply information they're learning in the classroom through uh, controlled simulated events that are faculty supervised so that when they get out to clinical, a lot of times they'll have already had an opportunity to maybe make some mistakes and get what I call a controlled burn. Right. Uh, <laughs> they can learn from that so that when they when they get out to clinical, that they're that they're ready to go. And I will tell you, we have uh, uh, surveyed some some preceptors over the last year, and with some of our simulation efforts and the things that we have done, not only with our virtual clinical bound, but we also have a hybrid course that's one of the first clinical courses that our MSN students take. That's a hybrid between uh, faculty supervised uh, hours and simulation, and also in the clinical space, um, seeing patients. Preceptors uh, have noted a difference, a positive and significant difference in the student's preparation for clinical rotation since we've implemented these changes. And in fact, I talked to a preceptor last week who has taken four of our students and has had uh, three students from other unnamed universities. And she said, hands down, our four students were way more prepared than those students from the other unnamed universities. Yeah. And you know, Jess, I, I hear that all the time. I talk to people all over the country about Frontier in my role. And one of the things that I consistently hear is that our preceptors and the organizations that they work for are so impressed because our students in all of our programs are very well prepared. And one of the reasons I think that is, is, you know, of course, we're great and, and all of our faculty is wonderful. But at some universities, students don't do all of their didactic work before they go into clinical. Like they'll learn a certain skill and then they go into clinical for practice of that skill. And we're different because students get all of their coursework out of the way and then go into clinicals after a very intensive um, checkoff from their professors during their clinical intensive or clinical bound, as we call it. So it, it's a different model than a lot of universities use, but it produces great providers. Yeah. And, and I think, I think along that vein, you know, it allows us to get preceptors a little easier as well because our students can see a patient from beginning to end and, and make recommendations for treatment plans. Whereas I've been part of three universities, four universities, um, and um, two universities did, or three universities front-loaded everything and then went to clinical and one didn't. And I will tell you that the one that didn't, the students struggled in clinical and, um, and, and they struggled finding preceptors because, you know, our preceptors are such a valuable commodity. We love our preceptors. They, they're taking their time. They're volunteering tons of hours. And, the, and, and, and I think we need to respect that and have a commitment to them that when we send them students, that our students are going to be ready to go and be able to see patients. Absolutely. Yes. So I can't, uh, you know, the fundraiser and me can't let this go until I mention you talked about these stipends for students in their clinical rotations. That was one of the most exciting parts of this grant for me. Because what we know is that even though we're one of the most affordable programs in the country, our students still leave with debt. And our students are primarily working nurses with families, children. And what happens is they can go through their didactic work pretty well while practicing. But when it gets to their clinical rotations, it's nearly impossible for them to hold a full-time job 
which sometimes provides the insurance for their family and do their clinical rotations. And so there is an enormous need for support for students during their clinical rotations beyond just tuition. And I'm just so excited that HRSA recognized this and is providing the funds for that because that's what these folks need to get through that portion of this program. And so if you're listening and you want to help a practitioner get through their clinicals, you can contact me or you can visit our website at frontier.edu and click on that Give Now button. Okay, enough of the fundraising. (laughs) You know, I had to get that out there, Jess. Well, Jess, it is always such a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm so thankful that you joined us today. Is there any advice that you would like to give a prospective student or a closing message you would like to give us? Yeah, I think that um, I get the question all this time from prospective students about psych experience, and, and what I will say to nurses out there everywhere is psych is everywhere, and so you don't necessarily need to have to be a psych nurse uh, to come to our program. Um, you just have to have a passion for nursing um, and, um, and and an interest in, in caring for this population. And, and, and if you have those two things, we will teach you to do the rest. And uh, and so uh, just, we're, we're super excited about the direction that our program is headed. Um, the quality of, of students and applicants that we're getting is phenomenal. And again, you know, can't underscore the diversity component enough. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, If you're interested in this profession, Frontier is the place for you. Thank you, Jazz. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for taking your time. And thank you for the wonderful work that you do with our students. We really appreciate you. Thanks, Angie. Appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to come join you today. You are welcome. My pleasure. To our listeners. Thank you for joining Frontier Nursing University All Access. We hope that you have enjoyed our conversation. If you would like to learn more about Frontier and how you can make a difference for mothers, babies, and families across the country, please visit our website at frontier.edu or reach out to me, your All Access host at Angela.Bailey at frontier.edu. And always, if you have enjoyed this podcast, and we certainly hope that you have, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time, thank you for listening.